In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday. Woo! Let's meet the crew. Brett is elsewhere. I think he might be on, like, late summer vacation or something. Uh, But he'll be back next week, probably. But I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and my favorite D23 news was a She-Hulk TV show. Thank goodness. <laughs> I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and my favorite D23 news is a Miss Marvel series, also thankfully and finally. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review about the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us, because that's what we do. And as a thank you, we will give you a very special shout out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Now on to the main topic. Here's a clip. We've passed on all we know. A thousand generations live in you now. Your journey nears its end. Last weekend, Disney had their major D23 Expo event, which is pretty much a Disney Comic-Con, presenting their upcoming movie slate and what's being unleashed on the Disney Plus streaming service launching in November. In other words, if you like pop culture, there was something for you somewhere within the high school musical, the series, and just all kinds of Star Wars. So that's obviously where a lot of our interests lie, the galaxy far, far away. So let's start there. Um, Kelly, I saw some clips at uh, Star Wars Celebration in April from The Mandalorian, which is the new first live-action Star Wars show coming to Disney Plus in November when it launches. What did you think of the trailer? Um, Yeah, I was very excited to see it because I hadn't seen anything from it. And obviously me and the lovely publicist over at Disney Plus are getting to know each other. Um, I have seen High School Musical, the musical of the series. Spoiler alert, I really liked it. (laughs) But so... The Mandalorian, I think, has the, you know, the atmosphere that we're all looking for. It looked big. It looked like Star Wars. Um, it looked darker and, dare I say, grittier than many Star Wars films that we've seen, which kind of makes sense because it sort of takes place in this, like, lawless, uncertain period in the galaxy's history. We saw a lot of Pedro Pascal's main character 
you know, masked in costume. We didn't really sort of get a sense of him, though, because he didn't have very many lines or honestly any lines, if I remember correctly. And uh, we didn't get to see his face. But it all looked very big and Star Wars-y. The one thing that I didn't feel, though, was that it felt like a trailer for a film and not like a trailer for a TV show. TV show trailers tend to do a lot more plot-wise because the first episodes tend to set up a lot with plot and TV trailers tend to sort of give the essence of the first episode in a little two-minute convenient package so that you can decide whether or not you want to join in for a while. There was nothing necessarily I saw about this that like jumped out as like TV to me. So that's the only thing that I you know want to know more about. Not that we thought they wouldn't, but they certainly have the look and the vibe down. Well, I mean, it's Star Wars, and they're not going to give anything away. Right. Whether it's a TV show, a podcast, a movie. I mean, it's just that's their way, and I think we'll get to it with Rise of Skywalker in a second. But, I mean, they're, they don't reveal stuff about plot or anything. It's just the way they are. Although I will say, though, that the stuff they showed at Celebration did get into kind of the more reason for the series where Werner Herzog, who is seen in that Mandalorian trailer, Mm -hmm. like they talk about how he has like this kind of mission that he wants to hire the Mandalorian for. And it's the stuff they showed at Celebration was, it was a lot more Star Wars-y. It was a lot more Western-y than this. I think with this, they just kind of wanted to give the overall vibe Whereas what they showed at Celebration seemed like it was more digging into kind of like, it was more for the the people who knew that world better. And just kind of like, you, you saw like, oh, well, this is like the cantina scene. Oh, this is like indoor or something. You know, it, it was it was more kind of about the fans. Yeah. I got the Western vibe even just from this, which makes sense given what we had known about it before I got to see any footage. Um the mission thing is interesting, yeah, because one of the things I was mostly wondering is if they were going to do, which is what I think they're going to do, is like a long one-story arc, serialized is what the the people in the biz like to call it, you know, a Breaking Bad, where they're all just sort of, lots of things happen in each episode towards one bigger plot, as opposed to a procedural, which at its most basic form is your Law and Orders, where it's like Mystery of the Week, and then it's solved, and then you get a new Mystery of the Week next week. There are lots of ways to mix and match those formulas, but those are sort of the two basic things. And a lot of the kids' shows have been procedurals in Star Wars so far. And I figured they were going to do something like big and epic and serialized, um, especially with Jon Favreau as the showrunner because he's never really done TV before. And so most people, most creators who come from movies to TV and claim that they're making 10 or 24 hour movies make serialized television. So um, that's why I want to see an episode more than anything else is to see what is what is the makeup of the TV show more than just it's a Star Wars TV show. I would imagine that this and the Marvel shows are going to go off of kind of what the Netflix Marvel shows did, where it was like it was like a 10 hour movie. And then you had like certain episodes that like kind of more character driven, like flashbacks. Yeah. or like tangential kind of stuff. It was mainly like, oh, it's just this really long movie. Yeah. I mean, I kind of hope that they don't only do that. It can be done really well. Some of my favorite shows are just pure serializations, but also they can be done so badly. <laughs> Especially with the Marvel Netflix series that lagged in the middle because they didn't know how to make episodes and they only knew how to make one long thing. Episodes are great. Disney Plus is going for a weekly thing. So especially when you're doing something weekly, procedural episodes can be really exciting. 
And there are great shows like Buffy, for instance, that mix and match. They had like the big bad over the course of a season and then like a monster of the week kind of thing. And the stuff, they had room to experiment. So I'm very interested to see, honestly, like what what kind of TV Disney Plus is making like as its like thesis of television because TV is changing so dramatically right now. If you think Star Wars is secretive, you should try Apple Plus people. My goodness. Goodness. We don't care about them. Anyway, (laughs) uh, Marvel Disney Plus. So we knew about WandaVision and the Scarlet Witch and Vision. Mm -hmm. We knew about Hawkeye. We knew about Loki. We knew about What If kind of going before the animated show. But we got news that there was going to be a Miss Marvel show, a Moon Knight show, She-Hulk show, all of whom could have their own movies. But I feel like where we're getting now is what's going to be in the movies is going to be like these really star-studded like second-tier character things that aren't really important to even comic book fans, but just they can they can mythologize a little bit like the Eternals and then use Disney Plus as like, you know, your old home week for Falcon and Winter Soldier and Hawkeye and all them, but also bring in like comic book fan favorites like Moon Knight and She-Hulk and, and Miss Marvel and things that like comic book fans are more likely to know and want to spend time with. How do you see kind of like the Disney Plus and the MCU kind of looking like? Yeah, so I think it's really interesting. I think we sort of know from like finances and Wall Street and all that nonsense that Disney sees the direct-to-consumer platform as sort of like the future of entertainment. Uh, So that's why they're investing a lot in Disney Plus because they are like sort of trying to prepare for a future when people aren't as excited to go to the movies as they used to be. And we don't know when that would be or if that's really going to happen, but that's sort of what they're girding against, which is why they're putting so much energy into Disney Plus and why they're convincing big-time stars and using big-time characters on TV when they never wanted to do that before. They wanted their big stuff at the box office and, you know, the crappy Inhumans on ABC's Friday nights. So on the one hand, it's like, for Miss Marvel specifically, I think, oh, it's actually like a really boost of confidence in that character because Disney Plus is their top priority. So they're giving her that. And I think having seen that High School Musical pilot, I think... Miss Marvel is such a good age range for what their kids programming on Disney Plus is going to look like. That High School Musical pilot doesn't look like a Disney Channel show. It's sort of like a sanitized CW show. It's definitely aimed at like teens rather than preteens and kids. And, you know, also like nostalgic millennials like myself. But there's no cursing or the people aren't as hot. Essentially, like, you know, it's but it's definitely like high school teen programming as opposed to tween happy-go-luckiness. And I think Ms. Marvel would fit really well into that demographic. And I love TV, and I think she's a really good contender for a weekly series. Um, And if the universes are going to be as close as we think, I could really see that being a great opportunity for Brie Larson to come in, because if you've read the Ms. Marvel comics... The reason Kamala Khan chooses the name Miss Marvel is because she's obsessed with Captain Marvel from like a fangirl perspective and is looks up to her and everything. So Brie could come in and say, you know, good job, young Padawan. And they could say Padawan because they own all those copyrights too. Um, and then Miss Marvel could pop into a movie every so often. And I, I wonder if that's sort of the direction they're going where they have these like star supporting players that they can pop into a movie every now and then and then build the audience on Disney Plus and make Disney Plus more attractive because it seems to have more A-list content. I do wonder how they'll do that because you have something like, does the world at large know who Captain Marvel is? Because 
Captain Marvel spent so much time in space. Yeah. And, you know, and it's just like we knew like Iron Man and Captain America, but you never got the sense of like Captain Marvel being like, well, people would have like a, a poster up in their wall for it. I yeah. mean, they'll figure it I'm sure they'll figure it out. But that's interesting about how they really will stick to the comic books. Like, well, you know, with She-Hulk, they would be smart to make that like part law procedural. And oh, absolutely. And like a like a Hulk huge lawyer who's actually doing cases like for superhero work. There's a lot of stuff in the comic books that they can get to, whether they make her CGI or just kind of like you know put somebody in the weight room for like a year. <laughs> who knows. But then you also have like something like Moon Knight, where if you go kind of in the more recent stuff, where he's like he might be insane. Like he's a guy who thinks he is the a warrior for a moon god, and like he spends a lot of his time in insane asylum because people think he's nuts. Things like that, it's just like you could do so much with it if it was like R-rated, but it does look like Disney Plus is going to be like PG-13 and that's about it. Absolutely. They've said that. It's family-friendly programming only. Their R-rated or older stuff that's TV-wise that they own or that Fox owned and now that they owned is all going to Hulu for streaming. Right. I mean, Luke Cage and Jessica Jones ain't going to be bumping nasties anymore. I mean, that's far from that. But I do wonder if... If Hulu becomes like that R-rated depository, maybe Runaways stays there, but then you have something else that's like leans a little bit kind of more risque or more kind of violent. Like if they redo the Punisher or something, maybe he ends up on Hulu. That's what I'm most interested to see. And I don't know if they're going to get there very soon, but like if they're going to return to any of the the more adult style of superhero programming, it would definitely have to go to Hulu. But I wonder if they want to put some time between Netflix and if they try, not even if they try those specific characters like Jessica Jones or Luke Cage or Punisher, yeah. like not even if they try those again, but if they take any character and try to do something where there's sex, they don't really care about violence because the MPAA doesn't care about violence essentially. So what they can consider family friendly is going to more mimic the violence that you can have in a PG-13 movie versus how much violence you would see on network TV. There's way more violence in a PG-13 movie than you would get in something that would air on broadcast. Cable and premium cable have no ratings, so they don't care. Disney Plus has no actual ratings, so it's all self-regulated kind of thing. But my guess is they'll still be pretty violent without being horror movie violent, but they won't curse and they won't have sex. So, you know, stepping into the the movie side of the MCU, Comic-Con gave us, like, most of the Phase 4 slate. Really, the only thing that they talked about at D23 was giving Black Panther 2 an announcement. It's coming out in May of that, that Avengers early May slot in 2022. So it's conceivably after Thor Love and Thunder and, and the, uh, Doctor Strange 2 and the Eternals and Black Widow. And I think there was one other one in there. But is that too long to stay away from Wakanda? I feel like I would play up Black Panther 2 a lot lot sooner than this. Yeah, that is confusing to me. I wonder how much of it has to do with schedules of talent or if it's just a they think that we should wait that long decision. I wonder if he'll pop up in other movies in the meantime because he's so valuable from a creative standpoint and from a merchandising standpoint. <laughs> they got to keep them in the public consciousness if they want to sell the toys. I honestly think it's a little long. That would be four years, four plus years since the first one. And then if he doesn't pop up in any more movies, three plus years since we saw him in Endgame very briefly. So um, 
I I hope that the plan is for him to pop up. That's that's where I see that that being a good decision. If he doesn't pop up anywhere, I think it's a really bad decision, and it could weaken the sort of pop cultural icon status that Black Panther has gotten. Mm. And let's finish it up with um, we got a new look at Rise of Skywalker. We're one trailer down. We got a whole bunch of stuff we didn't even know what we were watching. But we got a clue to like, oh, hey, the Emperor's back. He thought he was dead. He thought he's been dead since 83, but apparently not. So, you know, the new footage has a whole lead up of the road so far with some some Luke narration over top of it, which I loved. That was honestly the best part of it for me. It was like, okay, we've, you know, here's the last 42 years of storytelling leading up to this. Except for the prequel stuff, I don't know. <laughs> but we got some more random scenes from things. We have our heroes. We got Kylo Ren looking pissed off, looking for a fight. We see a fight between Rey and Kylo. We see um, a huge bunch of Star Destroyers. We see a whole huge bunch of, like, resistance. And then we got a glimpse of Rey in a dark hood. with A flip double-bladed red lightsaber. Everybody freaked out. Darth Maul's only had was double-bladed. It didn't Sponsored flip. Sponsored by Motorola. Yeah, that's true. That is very true. Everybody freaked out about that that moment, like all week. Everybody's, oh my gosh, dark side ray, oh, blah blah blah. But honestly, I was a little underwhelmed when, or maybe just whelmed. You know, best case scenario, just kind of whelmed by the scene because it's just like they made it sound like it was like some badass like Darth Maul moment where she's like, where she's about to slice someone in half or something. But it's just like we had like hot topic Maul mannequin ray just sitting there. <laughs> You know, looking looking like she wasn't even moving or anything, and then like the little flippy Motorola thing with the, with the lightsaber, and that was it. Do you have to explain what Motorola is to the children listening? <laughs> <laughs> Google it. Google, Google it, it, kids. Google uh, the razor. <laughs> but it's a vision. I mean, that's that. I mean, that that can't. That's not her. That's totally not. It's some kind of like weird reflection or vision or something. I almost don't want to theorize about it. You know, like I. They wouldn't have shown it to us if it was easily decipherable because that's not just because, you know, we're so in this world. We're in the media world. We know J.J. Abrams and how marketing works, unfortunately, to like bring in business terms. So based on how trailers were revealed very specifically for The Force Awakens, it's not actually telling us anything this moment. So, yeah, that probably means it's a vision or a dream or something. Or she's, like, pretending to be on the dark side to infiltrate the Emperor's thing like Luke did. You know, various various different things. So I want to withhold as much brain activity on this as possible so that I can be surprised with whatever it intends to be. Honestly, I was just – I love new technology and new costuming and new stuff in the Star Wars universe. I know that's very controversial because lots of people like it to stay exactly the same, but I'm always really interested in seeing the world expand. So the flipping part was honestly the coolest thing to me. And I didn't like gasp what I saw Ray in a hood because, you know, the, the way the storytelling has been, like maybe that's a direction they'll go. But I did gasp when the lightsaber flipped because it was cool. And I like stuff that's cool. And that's part of what Star Wars is, just that like guttural, oh man, that's awesome to see that on screen moment. I like seeing cool things. And I feel like that's why I wouldn't mind seeing like her turn to the dark side, maybe for like half the movie, because that would be different. We haven't seen that yet. I mean, we we saw Luke kind of like veer a little bit 
kind of towards it before going go before going too far. And I wouldn't mind seeing like them turn a hero bad for like you know a little bit just to see what what they would do. But they're not going to do that in like the culmination of like nine movies. Yeah. But that said, I'm a fan of like things I've seen before though too. So I got a little psyched up when I, you know, when you saw those two kind of like fleets come in mm-hmm. because we've we've seen things like that happen in space, you know, most notably in the Return of the Jedi right before a big Death Star battle. Yeah. With the technology and everything, it still looks badass. It still gives you chills. The big final battle, like the final choice. People talk about Star Wars, the original trilogy as sort of this like hero's journey, like talking about joseph campbell and the arc of a hero and all this literary theory but like also luke is kind of jesus and he was like tempted and then he said no and like anakin was tempted and said yes and like you know looking at ray as the as the protagonist of this trilogy like there's clearly going to be some type of temptation involved and so that could be related to that dream sequence who knows but it's cool i really like her i like daisy ridley so i'm very excited as long as she doesn't end up clone. Because I think if you bring back the Emperor and there's like people theorizing like, you know, when they said that her parents were nobodies, mm-hmm. that it might mean literally that she's like a clone. And I'm like, oh, God, no more clones. This trilogy pretty much has ignored the prequels for the most part. So I feel like bringing in like clones <laughs> in at like the last hour just seems kind of dumb. And I don't. So hopefully JJ's not dumb. Please don't be dumb, JJ. Yeah, I don't think so. I was surprised even to see the trilogy in the like look back thing at the beginning of this trailer. I thought they would just completely ignore it. Well, they did on two. Uh, the I, I think it was two. Not the it was two instances trilogy. for that. You had you wanted to see you wanted to see Obi Wan again because we got to push that. We got to push that TV show now. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah one yeah, TV yeah, show yeah, we didn't talk about. And then you wanted the Darth Maul scene with his double sided lightsaber. It's almost like a payoff. Yeah, seeing Ray with it. And I will say, J.J. is smart. And when people talk about things that they actually like from the prequel trilogy, the Darth Maul battle scene at the end of Phantom Menace is something that comes up as, like, a bright spot in the cesspool that people consider the prequels, even though I don't think they're that bad. It does have one of the best scores. That is true. The Duel of the Fates is kind of one of the the best John Williams jams, for sure. Absolutely. Okay, listeners, your turn. What did y'all think of the Star Wars footage? Excited for Marvel to take over streaming? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet us at individually. I'm at Brian Truitt. I'm at K-Lals, K-L-A-W-L-S. And you can find Brett Molina at, at Brett Molina 23 And don't forget, you can email us too. We're at MothershipPod at USAJ.com. But we're going to wrap up things here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers of Mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe to The Mothership for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next Friday, nerds out. Later. Later.